All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Rivalry Podcast. It is our first one in probably two months, closer now. Yeah, between December is now uh, February fifth, heading into February sixth. Um, but uh, un- or very much like the new Top Gun movie, we are not picking up where we left off. We're picking up modern day. Um, where we are right now. So much has happened uh, in the NHL, so we're going to go to the most recent thing, which is everybody's least favorite topic, uh, why it's the All-Star Games uh, for the National Hockey League. Um, But we're not going to be talking about uh, how it's set up. Uh, We're not going to be talking about the outcome of the games or players' individual play. Uh, This year was kind of unique. It was the proving ground for the NHL for a bunch of new technology that they are hoping to uh, instill into the game. Um, the two biggest things being um, player names uh, on the ice uh, following the players and uh, puck tracking. Uh, those are the biggest things. We're going to focus on those two things really quick before we get into an even uh, bigger current issue. Um, which is the Buffalo Sabres and the fact that they are an absolute dumpster fire right now. Um, but Cody and myself both have opinions on that. Surprisingly, Cody suggested it. Surprisingly, Cody suggested it. Uh, however, he did have a he did have a Toronto thing, but Toronto did just make a trade earlier. Um, kind of blew up his his uh, the, Toronto kind of stole his thunder a little bit. Um, but we're going to start off with the All-Star Game first and try not to make this a long episode. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, with uh, names following players on the ice. So I'm going to hand it off to Coach, and he's going to argue his side of it first, uh, and then I'll go just like we normally do. But that being said, welcome back to the Rivalry Podcast. Cody, what do you think about names on the ice following players like it's an NHL video game? So for starting lineups, I like it. It's nice. It tells everybody who's on the ice, people who aren't watching these games on a daily basis like you and I would. Um, it's good for growing the game, I think. With that being said, I don't want to see it every game. I don't want to see it every Saturday night when I'm watching Hockey Night in Canada or every home game for the Sabres. I think national games, and that's about it. Um we kind of had the conversation a little bit, but using it for replays, you know, it's nice. They do it in most other sports. They kind of highlight who it is and who's making the play um, compared to just having to deal with commentary. As we know, commentary is wild in the NHL. Uh, You can't always tell who because there's a lot of nicknames. There's a lot of different things being thrown around. So I think in that aspect, it's pretty cool. Which goes back Uh, to your point about talking about like people that are first timers in the game like they're just trying to they're trying to get into the sport not knowing the nicknames of people when the commentators are using it it oh yeah now with that being said when they first showed it at the all-star game or i think it was uh, the competition it was a mess there was like 30 people on the ice and there was 30 names (laughs) i don't know if they were trying to flex there like hey we know all these players we can track every single one of them but um, depending on the technology they're using, it could be could be decent. 
Uh, more importantly, the puck tracking is kind of the biggest thing. It's something the NHL has tried to do before. But as far as player names, I mean, do you agree on that part? Or, I mean, what's the what, what do you think? Yeah, so like I said uh, before the show when we were kind of discussing it, um, I think it does change the game. I agree with you on all your points. Um, I just think I, I think that even if – I think it could be used every game, but not throughout the entire game. So, you know, when the game starts – because, like, when you're there in person, you're not going to notice any of this, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, when I was on the Saber Spot podcast, I, I talked about this. Um, but when people think of uh, technology being integrated into the game um, and, you know, the graphics on the screen, the NFL is, is the best example. And, you know, we compare the NHL to the NFL a lot, but everybody compares every sports league to the NFL because that's the big one. Um, yep. So, you know, with the NFL, you have the first down line, you have the line of scrimmage, it shows you the reds, like it shows you everything that you need to know. Um, for the NHL, there's not, I mean, the, the lines and the face-off circles, they're all painted onto the ice. It's there. You know what's happening. It doesn't disappear. You can see it whether you're in person or you're watching it on a screen. Um, that being said, I think that you could, you know, in the beginning of the game, if you're watching it on a TV, computer, however you watch your games, um, you know, it shows in the top-hand corner for each of the periods um you know this is this is the starting lineup and these are the lineups for for the game um i think if you replaced that and did it with the on the ice thing showing like line went out there like maybe you know set up for the face off like you know pop the names up on the bottom and like oh this is the guy and then it when in play starts it disappears but then it doesn't yeah. for the rest of the game so if the NHL wants to use it every game, which if they're paying for the technology, they're going to want to use it every game, that would be the best way to implement it. Otherwise, it just looks like an NHL video game, and I'm not there for that. So I think yeah, I don't hate that. I don't hate that idea. Um, line changes, not during the play, obviously, but if there's a fresh page soft showing, hey, who's out there, you know, it's nice to know. Because I, I can tell you, I mean, there's times, as you know, when they jumble up lines, you don't know who's going to be out there unless the commentator says something or the, you know, the camera is right there showing everybody. Right. Um, it's nice to know who's who's out there, who's going to take this face off if something goes wrong. Um, just kind of set up the own play in your head. That's part of what makes football great. And mm -hmm. we've watched probably one game together, and it was a playoff game. But it was easy to say, oh, hey this person is out here in this position right now. Right. This is probably what's going to happen. This is probably the play that they should go for. Same thing in hockey. You can draw up plays, whatnot. It doesn't go as smoothly as football does, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's kind of cool. I agree with you on that part. Yeah, I mean, the NFL is – I mean, you can say what you want about the NFL. It has many, 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 many pitfalls. Um, a lot of it was seen this season. But they make they, – uh, every game is teaching because when they're, you know, reviewing a, a score or a penalty um, or, or a play, you know, they bring somebody in that's a rules expert from the NFL. They explain mm -hmm. what's happening throughout the thing. I mean, it's, it's 
hockey is sort of like that fact that a lot of the people that are commentators have either been commentators for that team, you know, the play-by-play guy for that team, for like Rick Jenneret has been the play-by-play guy since pretty much the beginning. Mm-hmm. Literally in, in the 70s is when he started, and, and he's still, you know, he doesn't do as many games as he used to. But, you know, but then you have guys that are down pretty much on the ice. Again, for the Sabres, like it's Rob Ray, like a guy that played the game. He knows the game, stuff like that. Uh, Marty Grant, also on, you know, the, the media staff for uh, Sabres games. You know, again, knows the game, knows what's going on, knows who the players are. Um, whereas in football, a lot of guys that get out of football and go back into the game end up more on talk shows. I mean, we've been seeing more of them get into like the play-by-play announcing. Pat McAfee does college football, but like Tony Romo was really good at doing play-by-play and being an analyst. I mean, I absolutely, any, any time that there's a game, even if it's not a Bills game where Tony Romo is announcing, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the NHL has so much potential here. The the scary thing is is knowing who the commissioner is and knowing how the NHL operates. Going to screw it up. They're going to screw. It's already screwed. It hasn't even been implemented, and it's already screwing up. Uh, It's going to be kind of like the, um, you know, back in the '90s, like the neon pucks and stuff like that. Like people aren't going to want to. With the, the neon zoom thing that was on the screen and people oh say, god it's gonna, it's gonna be gone it's gonna be gone yes. after you know halfway through a season people aren't gonna like it um but speaking of puck the tracking software that's in the pucks um a lot of people didn't like seeing what they were seeing on the screen but we were talking again before the show about um, you know, potential uses for it. Again, the NHL is going to screw it up. It doesn't matter, whatever. They're definitely not listening to us. Um, but being able to use it in analytics, in studying the game, you know, how many times is how many team, times does your team pass it? Who are they passing it between? You know, how can you get better at it? Even putting sensors in the goalposts so you know, did the puck go past the line? Did it pass the sensor? Yes, it's a goal. Um, Whereas, you know, now it's, you have to, you know, the refs go over to the side, they call, you know, the officials call Toronto, you don't hear any part of it, it's all done in pretty much secrecy, whereas in other, excuse me, in other leagues, kind of more of a transparent process, but then it's called, but like, you know, you go back to, you know, I would go back to Buffalo um, in in Stanley Cup Finals against Dallas, Skate was in the creek, you could clearly see Skate was but it was it was ruled a goal. That that is something that you can avoid with some of the new technology that's coming out. Um, however, like we discussed, the NHL is not going to use the technology this way because they're going to treat it like it's part of the fan experience. And yeah. some of the teams, the fan experience really sucks in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Except for on a team level, and again, not all teams. The fan experience is great. Toronto, fan experience is not great, which is why they send them to – which is why fans go to Buffalo. But yep. they're just there to watch the game. They don't really care about the fan experience. As a Buffalo fan, I can tell you, and you've been to Sabres games in Key Bank. There is no fan experience at all. It sucks. It's absolutely bad. It's a horrible – I mean, it's like 22, 23 years old. It's a horrible arena. 
but that's a topic for another time. Um, what do you think about uh, the use of the the puck tracking software? I know that you mentioned before that the the K does it. So, I mean, I wasn't aware of that. So maybe if you if you can touch on that a little bit and how the KHL uses it. Yeah. So. And it's not just the KHL. I believe the Swedish Elite League uses it as well. Um, but they have a chip in the puck. So if the puck crosses the line, they know. They know it was a goal. Not right away. They have to check the software, obviously. Um, yeah. I know that this has been talked about in the NHL. I've listened to a few different things. Um, don't remember who it was. Cody Stapleton, I believe, on Spitting Chicklets had talked about it how he had played in the KHL and it was phenomenal. Biggest downside that I'm hearing is obviously NHL players like to any milestone. They like to hold on to that puck. There's people who have every goal puck that they've ever scored. You can't do that. They, they won't give you the puck. Reason being it's expensive. They mm -hmm. want to use it. And they want to use that puck until they can no longer use it anymore which isn't a bad thing. Players don't like it, but at the same time, I'm sure if I was a player who just scored a goal and they called it back because it didn't cross the line when it very clearly did, right? I, I would much prefer not getting the puck and having that goal, having right. that win. Um, so I think that's going to be a excuse that they use not to do it. But I, I remember a few years back there was a goal – no, a no goal called Toronto had they were playing New York. They shot on Lundquist. Lundquist's entire body, his entire body was inside the net. They right. knew the puck was inside the net in his body somewhere, but because they called it a no goal and they couldn't see the puck, it was a no goal. Right. That to me is ridiculous. Yeah. That's a ridiculous rule. And something you had said about the uh, NFL, if they use that same technology, because you, when you're watching a play, a replay, they show you exactly the, the tracing of the ball. Hey, this mm -hmm. throw, this is how it did it. This went here. Yeah. It went through this tiny little spot to get there. It makes it look that much more. Mm -hmm. You know what Would I mean? A lot, of, a lot of people have been, you know, after the Super Bowl, and I mean, it always happens, but after this last Super Bowl between the Chiefs and 49ers, a lot of people were ripping on the fact that replay doesn't work in sports, and it, it makes the wrong call more than it makes the right call, which sometimes, yes, but I don't think it makes it more often than not. I, I think it's definitely helped the game. It's definitely um, brought into the game that you wouldn't have been able to have brought before. Now, that being yeah. said, the NFL is not exactly perfect. No. The pylon cams that were introduced a few years ago were supposed to be able to help tell if, if the player had actually crossed the line, if the ball you know, had crossed the line or not. Um, however, the, the scope of it or like the, the area for which it's able to see doesn't go that high up. So if the player is, you know, I think we the San Francisco um, was was it San Francisco or I can't remember if it was San Francisco or the Chiefs um, were going to score or had extended the ball and it, it, but it wasn't extended all the way and then but he got knocked out of bounds. The pylon mm -hmm. showed their feet, 
but it didn't show whether the ball had crossed or not because it wasn't that high up. So it's, it's obviously not perfect. It's not a perfect science. Um, I think that the NFL would probably see that and improve on it in the next few years. But the NHL has so many case studies. Again, they're not perfect, but they're at the leading edge of a lot of this. Um, you think that they would take some lessons from the NFL, seeing as that's who they're trying to compete with. Oh yeah, in terms of in business-wise and the money that they're bringing in and stuff. Um, again, probably won't because it's the NHL and Gary Bettman. <laughs> so my point with this is, um, and I'm glad you brought up the pylon cams because it the rules in football versus the rules in hockey. Hockey's a lot more cut and dry. It's, hey, you're offsides, or it's, hey, that was a no goal, it's crossed. It would be so much easier for them to use this technology and make it closer to a perfect system than it would be in football. But the pylon cams, they show it. They show it on live TV. Mm -hmm. The NHL is using offsides cameras on the blue lines, but they're not showing the camera angles. So it, it's all secrecy. They're, they're built on the secrecy, as you said. Um, I personally, I don't think using the tra puck tracking and everything, you know, like you said, the neon puck, it, it's annoying. It's annoying. But for replays, for those little things, hey, was that a goal? Was it a no goal? That's all phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's something they're using in other leagues. They're using it in other leagues. Um, which brings me to really, since we brought up offsides and everything, just demolish offsides already. Just get rid of it. Go back to two-line passing, get rid of offsides, and be done with it. Because that, that how many times have you lost a goal over half an inch? Yeah. Uh, being offsides. You're not, you don't have an advantage being half an inch offsides or your foot just barely touching or not touching. It's it's ridiculous, but that's besides the point. That's another time we can go into those. Oh yeah, um, yeah. that's the stuff we brought up where we can go. I, yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's a good idea to grow the game. You know, people who aren't watching it able to see. Holy God, that shot just went like this. They just curved this puck, or they just did this, or they just changed right. their angle of this puck off of nowhere. It's cool for those types of things. Yeah, and I mean, you'd think that the that's it. You'd think that the NHL would want to do that because now, I mean, sticks have been sticks for the longest time, right? I mean, once upon a time, they used to be all wooden sticks, sticks, but you know, now you have plastic. Like you have, you have like different, you know, things that make up the, the sticks that they're using nowadays. Some people still use wooden sticks, but now they're developing new sticks that are supposed to you know, be able to, you know, shoot better and it'll, it'll, you know, cut off. I mean, crazy stuff that they're doing in the, oh, yeah. of hockey sticks. It, it, I mean, there's, there's going to be a quote unquote, you know, probably a gear or equipment revolution in the NHL in the next few years. And it, it's starting with the sticks. Now I, I'm going to assume that skates are going to be next. They're going to try and make, you know, faster skates. Um, Followed by trying to I, – I don't know what the NHL is going to do. I don't know what the hockey world is going to do. But you would think if they're going 
you're going to want to keep up with, you're going to want to keep your technology up with what's happening in the hockey world. Um, yeah. So here's the hoping uh, that they do that. So one last thing that you had brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Batman. Mm. Um, we didn't really talk about it. And it wasn't something that I had thought about before you even said anything, but the rules expert that you see in football, mm-hmm. football is very similar. Um, a lot of the longtime commentators for national games were at one point players or one point coaches or one point had a big thing in the game. Very mm-hmm. similar to hockey, very similar to hockey, mm-hmm. but rules change so often. Mm-hmm. Little wording changes the whole play. And yeah. you see it in football where they said, I, hey, when I played this, wouldn't have been this way. But it is now. Yeah. This expert comes in, explains it, and it makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, and, and it's nice for fans because I don't know. When they change rules, it's, it's all up to your imagination. I could think that something's a penalty, but it's really not. Rules expert could come in and say, hey, yeah, that used to be a penalty, but now it's not. Great. Why aren't you doing this? Yeah. Well, like the big thing um, was at the start of this season or last season when they changed the face-off rules. Now nobody knows what, like pretty much what what constitutes you getting thrown out of the face-off circle because it changes pretty much with every game. Yep. So, you know, you throw Jack Eichel out of the circle and now Sabaka has to come in and take, although Sabaka is actually really good at face-offs for surprisingly. Playing, but you know, you you take somebody like Jack Eichel out of you know, or Austin Matthews out of the the faceoff circle, or Connery David out of the faceoff circle, and now you're throwing a guy in there that's not going to faceoffs. You know, yeah. it's screwing with the game. But no, it's it's a good point that you did bring up. I think in the NFL they keep on um, they keep on the rule changes a little bit more, whereas with hockey there's not. When they do make rule changes, it is very confusing and it's very vague and it's like interpretation, which just leaves a lot of people very confused. But in the yes. NFL, they like, like the comment, you know, commentating and play-by-play and color analysts, like that's their job. That's their only job. And they, you know, they study film and they understand and they review the rules. Whereas in like hockey, it's like, well, you're the color analyst, you're the play-by-play guy, but you know, you do the intermission and you do, you know, the on the ice report. Yes. But then also, you know, you have to be on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and you have to be in all these commercials and stuff like that. But, like, you know, Tony Romo has the Corona commercial, and that's pretty much it. But, you know, like Brandon Gordon doesn't go out and do commercials. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, for these guys, like, that's their job. Um, so, but, no, good good point that you brought up. Um Moving on, you wanted to talk specifically about uh, the Jesus. You wanted to talk about the Sabers and the position that they're in and what they can realistically do to improve. Uh, we're approaching uh, the trade deadline here soon. Uh, do you know the exact date of the trade deadline? Off the top twenty fourth. Twenty fourth of um, February. Yeah. So we're approaching the trade deadline. Um, Toronto stole your thunder by making a trade. Um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I have a, I have a whole thing from what I think that the Sabres should do 
in total from the trade from you know now through the trade deadline into the offseason um but also what i think the nhl needs to do to change the nhl needs to change they won't they won't the nhl needs to honestly right click copy paste the nfl the nfl offseason into them so uh I, I think you should go first. Mine's going to be a little bit longer unless you want me to go first. I, I don't know how you want to. I'll go first and then I'll, I'll counter counterpoint you. Um, just obviously you're, you're far more in depth as far as Sabres go as I would be with Leafs if we were in that situation, which we're not far off. Not to say, you know, that we are. Right. Um, <clears throat> Sabres fans. Your expectations are always too high. You can't expect to go from a bottom dweller to playoffs right away, right? I had said at the beginning of the year, I said I think they're going to either just make the playoffs in a wild card spot or miss. That's it. And that's not coming from a rivalry standpoint. That's just realistic. At this point of the season, they're not, it's going to be tough to hit that wild card spot, but they're not completely out of it yet. I think as management, what they need to do, I don't want to see them make trades right now. And that may come off very weird, but it's at the point to where they're either going to squeeze in and probably have a first round exit unless they get lucky out of a momentum, which we know the Sabres can do. If they have that momentum, they somehow just become the best team in the world or they're going to fail. What management needs to do is stop running these same lines. They need to start changing things up. Play Eichel on some different lines, you know. Play him on th- a third line with first line minutes. You know, don't take his minutes away. He's obviously lighting up the league. Let him have his stats. But play other people with him. See what works. See what doesn't work. And then in the off season, make your trades based on that. Because there's players that, yeah, they're not. They're not great. But how are you expecting to get rid of a player who everybody is seeing is not playing good for somebody who's going to be an improvement? Right. Right away. Right away. Improvement. Not a prospect. Not, you know, hey, this kid might be good in three years. No, right now, which is what Sabres fans want. Every team wants that. Every fan wants you to trade away this guy who's not playing right, get somebody that's going to play better for nothing. Build the value build their value now if somebody's a ufa or you think you're really going to make a run for it do what columbus did last year and just spend it do whatever you need to do it worked out for them they lost most of them in the off season and they're still killing it it's just that momentum going into this game or this this season mm-hmm. i want to see them make changes to lines call some people up put them in lineups try to build some value because if you can take your fourth liner, put them on first line minutes, of course they're not going to play like a first liner. They're going to have some mess ups, but they're going to show some sort of promise, especially playing with Jack. He's a playmaker. He can make things happen with anybody. He's said it before, one of the best playmakers in the league. Right now, they're just tr- they're doing the same thing every game until it's too late in the game and then they make changes after they're already defeated. You know, what's the point of that? Right. 
do something about it. Um, I'm a Leafs fan. I've had uh, years and years and years of disappointment. I'm right there with you, Sabres fans. Like, I'm right there with you. I've been there. Sabres fans are passionate. And they want what everybody else wants. They want a, they want a cup. You're not there yet. Jack knows that. Skinner knows that. That's why they sign deals. Is Skinner playing up to his potential? Absolutely not. Uh, zero goals in 15 games. Yeah, absolutely not. But do you think any team in the league that has cap space for Skinner is going to not go for him? Right. Yeah, they're going to take him. So, oh, yeah, he, he he scored zero goals in the last 15 games. He can go, tra- go to another line and score 10 right away. Right, which a lot of people – and I, I said this when I was on the, the Saber Spot podcast is guys like Reinhardt and Skinner are spread throughout the lines. And if they weren't, and if it was a line – the first line was was Skinner, Eichel, and Reinhardt, we'd be a basement team. We'd be the last yeah. team. Because only your first line is producing. Now, Skinner hasn't produced in the last few games. And we really haven't, you know, we've won or we've lost, excuse me, every game since we came back from the break, but we're still not a basement team. I mean, we are not more than 10 points out of a wild card spot. And I mean, honestly, we, we probably won't make the playoffs this year. But with a new coach, with a new head coach and their new style of play, which we've, you know, we've talked about since the beginning of the season. Um, I mean, it's been a different team, and they certainly have the potential to go there. But I want to hit on a couple of things first. Um, the Sabres can pretend all they want, but a, a cap hell is an understatement. We have $22,000. That's it. Mm-hmm. Our projected cap space is $0. And probably 95% of our team, their contract expires at the end of the season. Yeah. So I want to see a lot of people walk. That's going to be I'm, – I'm not yet on the, on the Bottrell has to go. A lot of people are saying Kruger has to go. Coaching is 100% not the problem. That's the least of our problems right now. Yeah. Um, it's not even on the list. I, but I'm still not of the opinion that Bottrell's the problem. Did he sign Skinner to a lot of money? Yes. But, like, are you, gonna, are you just going to let Skinner go after the performance that he had last season? Yeah. No, you're not. I don't Bottrell's not the problem Tim Murray traded away like second round picks for Robin Leonard who came here and you know as much as I supported him did not live up to his potential now obviously there were underlying reasons for that and I think I think we've discussed that before. um which you know good for him fan of him he's been killing it lately but Murray killed this team. Mm-hmm. He killed this team. This brings me to my point, though, of the NHL. The NHL has to change. You can have 50 contracts. But during the season, unless you're trading a player or they go on injury reserve, you can't get rid of a player. You should be able to cut a player midseason. Let them go to free agency. You should be able to cut a player. You have 50 contracts. In the NFL, you have a 53-man roster plus 10 practice squad. 
So you really have 63 people that you're managing. Uh huh. You can cut people all the time. Cut people, bring them back. How many times did the Bills cut players this offseason and bring them back? Guys got cut. They bounced around to three other practice squads and they ended up back on the Bills practice squad. Uh-huh. The NHL needs to become, in certain areas, less restrictive in terms of being able to cut players in free agency, and in other areas, become more restrictive. If you draft a player, that's the team you're going to play for. You're not holding out and having your rights traded away to another team. You were drafted for a reason. Play for that team. If you don't want to play for that team, when your contract's up, go to free agency, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's an option that you that you have. Um, in terms of players, Froelich, Reinhardt, Sherry, Vizi, Rodriguez, Gerjensen, Larson, Lazar, Bogosian, Montour, Pilot, uh, Johansson, Olmark. Thompson and Olofsson along with Sabatka and Hunwick who are on long-term injured reserve. Every single one of those guys that I just mentioned, their contract is up at the end of this year. Yeah. UFA, some of them RFA. Honestly, not a fan of Sam Reinhart. If you can, like, you're not going to trade, you're not going to trade Skinner because you're going to look like an idiot. If you just signed him to a, what did we sign him to? An eight-year an eight-year deal. You're gonna look like an idiot if you sign him to an eight-year deal and then trade him. And you're not gonna yeah. trade Michael. And you're certainly not gonna trade Dalmine. You can't even afford to buy out Hutton, who has another year left on his contract. Trade Sam Reinhardt. He has not been that productive. He's not driving his own line. Trade him and get something out of it. We have our first and second round picks. We don't have a third round pick though until 2022. So we're we're missing third round picks for 20 and 21. Yeah, he has been. And I, I again, Bottrell's working with what he's been given. Long term, he's not going to buy most of these contracts out before. Now he didn't have to, in my opinion extend Rodriguez, but I understand why he did. Fans wanted us to trade a defenseman for a forward. They didn't specify. Pat Scandella traded away for Froelich. Now, Froelich hasn't been bad, but a lot of people expected us to trade away Gaussian. Nobody's going to take because the contract's up, and it's insanely huge for some reason. But people expected us to trade away Bogosian and get Connor McDavid. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't happen. Now, when it comes to the goalie situation, obviously Olmark, who was on fire for us, got hurt. He'll be out for the next few months. Johansson's up. He got absolutely demolished and destroyed in his first NHL game. And Hutton hasn't been that hot. You got to remember in the beginning of the year, Hutton was really good and Allmark was really bad. But then Hutton was really bad and then Allmark was really good and then Hutton was really good and Allmark was bad. Like they keep flipping back and forth. So, like Sabres fans have a very short memory. Like literally, uh-huh. like, I remember a game. If you were good a game ago, then you deserve a $50 million contract for 10 years. But if you were bad the game before, 
you need to get traded and somehow we're going to get Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine for Bogosian. <laughs> so that's good. The, the, I'm going to make a decision in the off season when we come back to when, when we arrive at re-signing and extending new free agents. Because if he extends guys like then he needs to I'm done with him. That's that's my final straw. Fair. Truly believe that you that, that Bottrell is the whole reason that we are in this position. I really don't know what to tell you. I can't even tell you to stop watching hockey because I want you to watch hockey and learn something. But if you are, if you seriously believe that, I really don't know what to say. Well, and and here's my thing. It's not their fault. It's not the Sabres fans' fault. They, they're used to just since, since that 05, 06, 017, they're used to having a general manager who just gets rid of everything whenever he feels like it and pulls in whatever, which is at this point what screwed him. Bottrell, like you said, has nothing to work with right now. He's at, at cap with a team that he can't do much with, which is why – Yeah, which is why, like I said – um, you can't be upset with the guy if you can't make a move. People aren't buying bottom barrel players to better their team for the playoffs. It's not happening. They're looking for something that they can give away a decent asset and better their team. A good asset for a good asset. Yeah. Something that's equally perfect for each other. You now, with, great. with that being said, Batterell needs to come out and say that. He needs to tell the fans, listen, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to make this team good. You have to give me time. It was something, think about when Shanahan came to the Leafs as their president and said, hey, this isn't going to happen right away. It's going to take years to better this team. We're in a position where we're, we don't have much we can do, but that's going to get better. The Sabres have always been very big on drafting their talent, and that's it. You can't take fresh players and expect them to play good every every game. You can't. Yeah. With that being said, are there players that are underperforming that should be performing? Yes. Is that their line? Is it them? Is it what is it? We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. The players know, the team knows, fans don't know. We don't see behind the scenes, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's that's a a good point that you bring up. A lot of people, like I said before, are blaming Kruger for their play. Once they step out on the ice, the coach is just managing lines. Really, Mm -hmm. manage lines. Once they hit the ice, it's up to them. People think Jack Eichel is 100% the best player on the team, the most consistent. He gets oh, God, yeah. 
most, most goals, the most points, the most assists, blah, blah, blah. He's playing defense and goaltender at this point. But he's not he's not the same player every night. And I get it. Like, you can't expect him to be. Oh, no. Because he's doing so much. But he's not the same player every night. You can't rely strictly on him. So it's not Kruger's fault, and it's not Jack's fault. And it, no. But it is the player's fault once you get on the ice and you you lose, you get Colorado destroys you six to one. Yes. Like very fast, like first period destroys you six to one. Like that let that, that's up to the players. I'm not I'm not sold on the family's fault. But another another point that you brought up that I want to talk about really quick is the Sabres drafting. People have said, you know, told me, well, the, the Sabres, the Sabres don't draft well. And they never, you know, they, they haven't been for the, the last, you know, Murray didn't draft well and Bottrell hasn't drafted well. You would never be able to tell if Murray drafted well because he would draft them. And within a year, he would use prospect. He would draft them and, and then trade them. We realistically, last year, Cousins, the Cousins draft class, that's really our first legitimate prospect pool. I think yeah. they did a fantastic job of drafting. I agree. Johnson is good. Eric Portillo, the goaltender, is good. You know, Cousins looks to be good. You know, I'm, I really like what I saw from uh, Hewland, the, the left winger that they had drafted. Like, I want to see more from these guys. I think in total the draft class was good. But then the same people that complained about Tim Murray drafting prospects and then trading them are now saying trade the prospects. It's like, uh... – like in all sports, you have to you you can't. I'm not a believer in the like, like in the NFL, you can build through the draft if you really wanted to. Yeah. You can't do that in the NHL, you cannot. No, there's too many. There's too many players. You have to draft your prospects. You have to be active in free agency, and you have to trade. You have to do all three of those things to effectively build an NHL team. Because you know that even that first round guy might not even make the NHL, let alone an AHL roster. Dylan Cousins is really good. Uh-huh. He's because of age. If he, probably, if he was 20, he would probably be in Rochester. But because he's, uh, because he's not, he's in the WHL. Whereas in the NFL, pretty much every single one of those guys, I mean, first through like fifth round, are going to be on, are going to make the NFL roster. And somewhere about round through the seventh are going to make the practice squad. And then they're going to get picked from that practice squad and make a lesser team's roster. But in the NHL, even your first round pick, it's, it might, it, they might be good, like cousins, but it might be because of their age that they're not going to be able to qualify for the AHL because they're not that good for the NHL. So they have to go to a league like the You know what I mean? So. That if, if I have one gripe against Botchwell, that he said that he was going to build through the draft. You have to build through all three phases. Draft, free agent, trade. You have to build through all, all three phases. Um, but again, you can't complain that Tim Murray drafted and then traded away all of our prospects 
and then turn around and demand that Jason Bottrell trade away all of your prospects and then sit there a month later and go, why don't we have any prospects? Yeah. It's like, again, saying, trade away, I want to trade a defenseman forward, and you end up trading away Scandalo, who played really well with Yogi Haru, and you ended up getting like, Again, I think it goes back to your whole thing about Sabres fans and their expectations being way too high. Like, yeah, we won a cup. We've gotten the taste before. We've there in our grasp multiple times since the beginning. But, like, this is really the true first year of the rebuild. And I don't think a president of hockey operations is going to change that. That's just going to add a third voice that doesn't need to be there. You know, Kim Pagula isn't, really, isn't the problem. I really don't think that he has that much of a say in operations think but um like adding a president of hockey operations isn't really gonna matter like pat lafontaine didn't do anything but people want us to add pat lafontaine back as the hockey operator. like like just let Bosch will do what he's gonna do we have twenty two thousand dollars in cap space we're projected to have zero and 99 percent of our team is gonna be a free agent this offseason and it's but it's not his fault but yeah you're, you're gonna you're gonna stick it to him you're gonna you're gonna fire him you're gonna bring in the next guy who's also going to be stuck because of both league rules and the way that the team is. He's going to make a couple of trades. You're going to go, man, he's going to change the team. This is the guy. And then he's going to stop. He exactly what Vatterell did. Yeah. You know, you trade, for dinner, you trade a couple of guys, but then you can't make any moves. You resign one guy and that's it. Your money's gone. Yep. The biggest thing, and, and I've said it, and I've, I was wrong. I've been wrong before. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a fucking guru here. But the Sabres have had how many coaches in the last decade? Five? Well, unless I'm forgetting a couple, did we hire Bilesma right after Rough left? No. You had no one. Yeah, that's true. We did bring in for almost a whole. So, so if you if you count if you count Ruff, well, when did Ruff leave? So you had Nolan, Bilesma, Housley, and now Kruger. So four, unless I'm forgetting one in there. Nolan, Ruff. Either either way, a lot of coaches. That's a lot of coaches for that amount of time. You can't expect to keep changing coaches who all have different coaching styles and expect something to change right away. They're they're blaming coaches when it's not a coaching issue. Um, I think the only one that I agreed with firing, obviously no one was interim, so that you know you can count it if you want to. You don't need to. Um, Bullsma definitely needed to go. Mm-hmm. I like him. I love him as a coach, but he obviously wasn't jiving right with Botterell. They they had different different views. This is the first year that Botterell has a coach that agrees with him and, and, and agrees with what they need to do in the direction of the team. That's your first step. You have two franchise players with Skinner very well may be able to pop back up into a franchise player. If you have those three, that's you, you build around those three, you're going to have a good team. Goaltending? All the way across the league, it's crap this year. It's terrible. Reason being is, and everybody seems to forget this, 
Leafs fans included, myself included, because I've been giving Anderson garbage all all year. They just made changes to their pads. They just made them smaller so that more scoring happened. So their stats are going to go down. Now, should they be blown out like they have been? No. Is goaltending where it should be? No. But you can't expect these players to have a .920 anymore. Yeah. Like, we're getting to the point in this league where, like, a .91 is kind of good right now. I mean, you look at Tuka Rask, who is probably the best goalie we've seen in the past five years, if not longer, besides maybe Carey Price when he was healthy. He is getting blown out this year in a few games. It's going to happen. The Sabres started to have this kind of tandem where they were switching back and forth and it was working for him in the beginning of the season. Yeah. And then they decided to stick with Allmark, which was fine because he was he was playing very well. Mm-hmm. But then Hutton gets cold under these new pads, you know, that he's not used to playing with. You got to think these guys have been used to playing with these pads for years and years and years. They're not yeah. going to jump out the first the first few games and be perfect. Look at these young goalies coming in that have really most of their pro career been playing with these smaller pads. Elvis out of uh, Columbus here. He's leading the league in shutouts and he's only played eight games. Like, dude's won seven games out of like eight or nine. Right. That's insane. But that's the new way it's going to go is you're going to have just this nobody come into the league and light it up. It's going to happen. So, goaltending, I don't think any team right right now needs to be focused on it. I think it's a scoring league now, more than it ever has been. You're going to see more 6-5 games. I know old school fans hate that. They hate it. Oh, wow, this game went to overtime. We had to, we had to score six goals to win. Yeah, that sucks. But at the same time, teams like the Avalanche, teams like the Leafs, teams like Tampa – they're able to score those six, seven goals a game. Yeah. And Sabres are right there with them sometimes. Mm-hmm. The issue is the Sabres, as you said, are at cap space. They don't have all the pieces in place yet, and they can't make moves. This offseason is going to be a big opportunity for them, losing, letting people walk. They're going to gain so much cap space if they're smart about it. They can't listen to fans. Listening to fans is something that when the Pagulas bought the team was something they said they were going to do. They were going to listen to fans, which is why everybody's pissed off at them right now. Yeah. Because they realized listening to fans is probably the dumbest thing they can do in a Buffalo market. Yeah. Everybody in Buffalo is an arm, <laughs> armchair GM who yeah. thinks they know what's best for the team, and which is fine, which is fine. But you can't get upset at these people, man. It's I, I feel for the Sabres right now because the team is on its way. It's on its way. Everybody's acting like they are bottom of the barrel right now. Yeah, They're in the hardest division in the game, and they are only 10 points back. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more now that we've lost the last 
three games. But still, the fact that, it, still. The fact that it's February, the beginning of February, and you're only, you know, before, before the break, you're only sitting, you know, 10 points out. I mean, that's, that's a huge thing, whereas last year you're, you know, bottom of the league. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I always look at the Leafs, obviously. We are obviously not in a great cap space, but we have a ton of prospects. We have a ton of picks. We have a ton of everything that we can deal. As you said, we have those that, that three levels that we can trade away, we can work with. If we, get, if we let Muzzin, we let Barry, we let CeCe walk, we have three guys that can take care of them. They're going to do the job that are league minimums. This is more... And this comes down to the NHL needs to figure out their cap space, needs to figure out their rules, as you had said, um, because they're kind of messing teams up pretty bad. But you're going to have – you're going to get to a point where half your team is minimum league, league minimum players. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And that's okay. It works. Not always. Right now the Leafs aren't in a playoff spot. But we have the position. I'm not worried about it as a Leafs fan. I'm not worried about it. If we miss the playoffs this year, I know they're going to do something. They're going to fix it. Hell, Anderson went down, and tonight, the, the last two games, the Leafs have outplayed their opponent and lost due to goaltending or bad defensive play. Do we need defense? Yeah, of course we do. You shouldn't have to worry about six goals a game being your benchmark. Right. Four? That's not unrealistic. Score four a game. Are you going to do it every game? No, but we don't expect you to win every game. Any any fan out there that is expecting people to win every game is just or that's getting mad over every loss isn't watching. I watched some of that at Sabres game yesterday. Besides the first period, the second and third period, they played well. They played well. In the first period. First period, and, and you're playing Colorado, which is, I, th- I think, at the beginning of the season, I'd said Colorado was probably the second most improved team. Mm-hmm. First team being New Jersey, which ended up flopping hard. Yeah, but I'll, I'll take the hit from New Jersey because I said that they would be. I did too. I did, everybody did. Everybody expected New Jersey to be phenomenal because they, they just went out there and did the world. Yep. They did the impossible. And it bit them. It bit them. But people in Colorado were mad. They got Kadri. They got a few players for Kerfoot and Barry. Two pretty big names in Colorado. Right. And now look what they're doing. Kadri's lighting it up. Kadri's being the player that Kerfoot couldn't be. And the Leafs are hurting with Kyder, with Kerfoot and Barry. The thing is, is players could be – and look at Taylor Hall. On one team, he's their best player. On the other team, he's nothing. Yeah, they I need players I, around him. I haven't heard Taylor Hall since the trade. He's – He's doing okay. He's doing okay. Mm-hmm. But he's no longer that that player that everybody's picking on. 
he's got other players around him that are fine, that are doing worse than him, that are doing better than him. He's that middle ground player that he's always been. That's just what happens when you get to a team where you're not the only talent. Yes. And that right now, last season, Jack, before before Skinner came in, Jack was the only player, really. And he wasn't really doing much until Skinner hit. And then they blew up. They signed him. This is the first year on a new contract for Skinner. Whether people believe it or not, that first year on a new contract, it's always a bad one. Mm-hmm. It's always bad. Almost always. I can't say always. I mean, more often than not. Yeah, more often than not, it is. You guys have the pieces. They have the pieces. If they trade away some of these picks that they have, stop worrying about the draft. Bring some players up, see who's going to fit, see who's not, make trades that way. Like, we just traded Trevor Moore. Phenomenal player. It's great. Traded him because he had value. Mm -hmm. We got got two players for Trevor Moore and two picks. Great. It's like I said before, if you're you're trading anybody, and I I just tweeted it out and I, I I got some response, Again, pushback. But, like, trade Sam Reinhardt. He's the guy. He's the middle ground. He's not he's Jack. Middle ground. He's not Jack Eichel. He's not Darlene. He's not Skinner. But he's got value. But, he, yeah, he has value. Um, the one point that I want to make, because, uh, you know, we're, we're pushing an hour. Uh, the one point that uh, I want to make and, and expand on a little bit before we go is what you brought up. A little bit ago about um, the, the league changing and being more of a scoring league. I think we've touched on this a couple of times. I think a lot of people are seeing it. I mean, you're definitely seeing it more now with the whole infusion of, of analytics into the game. Um, enforcers are gone from the league. And it's, for, for the most part, not every team has enforcers. Like, I wouldn't say Buffalo has enforcers. I would think that we have tough guys, Ristolainen, Bogosian, McCabe, guys that will go out and definitely take a punch or two and, and dish them out. But they're not like – it's not like Andrew Peters or, you know, Adam Mayer or Paul Gostad or – like their, their goal on the team, you know, it's not a specific line that's supposed to go out and beat the absolute crap out of you. Um, like, you know, the, the Buffalo-Ottawa game after the Drury hit. You know what I mean? The the oh six oh seven season when we had that huge line brawl with with Ottawa. It's some of it is yes, the culture in the league is changing. A lot of people don't see fighting as a necessity in the sport anymore. I think it's always going to be a part of hockey, probably more so at the lower leagues. But you know, it's really not that much anymore in the NHL. It's been kind of played up it's for show now whereas like back then it was like you fought because like the other guy pissed you off or you know your team is down like you fought for for a reason now it's kind of for show but it's also I think mainly because of just the caliber of players that are coming 
out of college and out of these other leagues. They're built to be fast. They're mm-hmm. score. You know, right now we talk about, we've talked about the Buffalo Sabres and the fact that they're building off of, um, you know, under Housley and now under Kruger, a, a defense that's a scoring defense. Within the next, within this decade, everybody's going to have a scoring defense. That's just the way it is. Nobody's going to go out and get a Bogosian anymore. Nobody's going to get out. And don't get me wrong, because this guy is both a tough guy, but he is fast and he can score. But you're not going to go out and get an Alex Petrangelo. Like, those players are going away. You're getting a Darlene or, you know, a Sandine. Or, you know, like you're, you're, like you're, you're going out and getting guys who Montour and you know, Yoharu, like you're getting guys that are going to go out and be fast and small and score, but also play defense. Yeah. It's just, it's the way, it's the, it's the prototype of what a hockey player is nowadays. Um, so I think it's less of the culture change that a lot of people are trying to push for. And, and, and that's why people are, you know, you score six, seven, eight goals in a game because these guys are built, are built to do that. That's their whole purpose. You know, that's the purpose of hockey. We're not going to, you know, mess around with the whole fighting thing anymore. These guys are built to score, which is why you're yeah. quote unquote superstars. In the league. You know, it's not like, it's not like every few years you get a guy like Matthews or, you know, Hall or Eichel or Skinner or, you know, Aho. Like, every draft has these guys. Every draft, the first two, three, four picks are superstar generational players at their position. Mm-hmm. Every draft. And I don't see it so much in that same sense. Um similar but the big tough guys that we've been used to growing up watching were slow that's the biggest problem it's not so i don't have a problem with fighting i don't have a problem with that because you have players who are fast who are skilled who can still fight the kachucks they're assholes but they're skilled they can fight they can hit somebody they can do whatever they need to do you are now seeing these 6'2", 230 forwards who can blow right by you. Mm-hmm. They're not these little 180-pound guys anymore that you can hit and slow down. There's no slowing these guys down. You can hit them, and they're still on their feet because they're bigger than you. Yep. It, it It's turning into a bigger league. Everybody's going to be bigger. Everybody's going to be hitting less because – they're realizing, hey, I hit this guy. He's not going anywhere. He's just blew by me because I just tried to hit him. It's going to be a, I need to stay in front of him yeah. or I need to catch up to him and stop this play. How many times do you see guys go to hit somebody and they the guy moves and he ends up flying, yeah. flying into the boards? I mean, you think that's one of the biggest things that makes Eichel the player that he is. He's not a small guy. He's not as big as some of the players out there. But he's agile. He can get around you. If he sees that you're going to hit him, he's getting around you. How often does he get laid out? Not very often. Obviously, it's going to happen sometimes. But it's not very often. Right. And the same thing. Matthews. He's, he's big. 
he doesn't have to be as agile because he's a little bit bigger. He doesn't have to be as fast because he's a little bit bigger. He can blow through you without even trying mm-hmm. because he's big. Yep. Like Eichel's faster than Matthews. But if you really think if, if Eichel is defending against Matthews, is anything happening? No. Matthews is going to, just going to take it mm-hmm. because he's a bigger guy. And that's got nothing against agitators. I loved, I loved watching that. I loved watching that. It used to be a big part of the game. Yeah. But you're too slow. It's too slow. Do you still need some grit? Yeah. Do you need to stand up for your teammates? Yes. Of course you do. 100%. But it's all about scoring, being able to keep up. You're going to have far more odd man breaks. You need to be able to get back. If they're stick from behind, do something. It's it's a change, and everybody's going to have to get used to it. And unfortunately, some teams are ahead of the ball right now, and some teams are still catching up. And I think that's where the Sabers are falling in. They've always had a team that was tough. Oh yeah, and they still do. They still have a team that, if they need to, they can go out there and fight, or they can, yeah. you know, do whatever they need to. But they're realizing that. These skilled players, you're not you're not knocking them off the puck. Yeah, you just gave up a, a, a two on zero because you just tried to take out McDavid, or you just tried to take out Matthews, or you oh. just tried to take out Eichel. Yeah, you, you know they just spun around you. How many times is Eichel wide open because somebody tried to hit him? Yeah, or tried to take you know take it. Out. It's all about puck battles on the wall now. It's. You're seeing less whistles. It's all back and forth. It's phenomenal. It's fun. It's aggravating some nights when you get blown out. Yeah. But these players, I've seen the Leafs lose by three goals, and I'm like, that might have been the best they've played all year. Oh. It it just happens. You're. It's more of a strategic game now. You need to have the strategy. You need to have the plays. You need to do something to be different. And Eichel, like I said, top three playmaker in the league. Oh, yeah. He's smart. He knows where he, he can put a puck anywhere he wants to. Build it. Build it. You don't need a tough guy to, to watch Eichel's back. Nope. If Eichel takes a, offense to something, he's going to stand up and fight for himself. Yeah, 100%. He is. He's a big dude. He knows he can throw some fists if he needs to. Is he going to do it every time? No. He's going to pick his battles. And it's it's changing, but they'll get there. Um, my biggest thing, the reason I want to bring it up, is I, I don't think the Sabres are in a bad spot. Right. It, you know, every year, climbing one to two spots in the standings. Great. Look at Florida. Every year, they go up one or two spots. You know, and, and maybe, you know, one year they go down one. Whatever. There's still some sort of improvement. Where were the Sabres? Where did the Sabres end up last year compared to this year? I mean, at this point, we were bottom of the league. Whereas now, yeah. 
points out of the playoffs, but I mean more than 10 points, not, I don't know exactly. Yeah. There was a, a pretty decent improvement. Is it frustrating? Because obviously the Leafs pulled a – we were last and then made the playoffs the next year. Right. But that was not expected. Yeah, I mean, you're not – not everybody is going to be – The Leafs didn't expect that. No. And then look what happened. First round exit. And then every year, it's just been the same thing. You know, it's just – I would rather miss the playoffs and improve my team. Right. Than to be the same team every year. Which, again, really quick uh, before we end this, another, another thing that the NHL needs to do, no more draft lottery. If you're the worst team in the league, you get the first, you get the first overall pick. Yeah. The NFL. It's, it's absolutely BS. How many times have both Toronto and Buffalo been screwed out of a top three pick? Even though they're one of the worst teams in the league, yeah, I'm. They need to change the draft lottery, but unfortunately, if you don't have it, you see teams tanking oh, yeah. purposely. Yeah, and it's just for well, they tanked for McDavid. Yeah, I mean, it was either or, and they got Eichel. You know what I mean? But to your point, they could have very well ended up with the fifth the fifth pick and got whoever, Hannafin. You know? Like, it, it, it's – to me, it's a, it's a necessary thing. And honestly, if you're last in the league, you're getting a good player. You might not get the number one pick, but you're getting a good player. So – I think at this point it's a it's a pretty good uh, spot to call it uh, for this episode. Uh, our first episode back from our very much extended break. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, we will be back uh, with a new episode next week. After that, I mean, we'll pretty much be back by. Um, you know, two episodes from one drop to the pretty much at you know just before or just after the, the trade deadline. So uh, we'll be back fairly soon. coming up, and we're probably going to start looking towards what season is going to bring, what the playoffs are going to start to look like. So um, thank you everybody for joining us uh, on our comeback episode. Our um, what do they call it in TV? Our, our winter, our winter premiere um, for season one. So um, we will talk to you guys later. You can hit us up on social media, questions in the comments uh, for things that we should talk about. That we are going to turn off. Thank you and good. Depends on where you're watching or listening. So. Um, Thank you, and uh, thank you for tuning in to uh, this episode of the Rivalry Podcast.